This is The Guardian. I'm Gabrielle Jackson, and this is The Full Story. The Victorian government will undergo a major cabinet reshuffle following the resignation of four of its most senior ministers. The Victorian government has undergone a drastic transformation this month. And Sharnel, it's a mass exodus of experience five months before the election. It certainly is a real worry for the state government. These four ministers are the ones we've seen and heard from right throughout the pandemic. Four senior ministers announced they would retire from politics on the same day, taking with them over 70 years of political experience. But of course, that's a real worry for the state government right now as they look for a new deputy premier and a new health minister. So what does this mean for the state government and for the Victorian Labor Party? Today, renewal or revolt in Victorian politics? It's Wednesday, the 6th of July. Let me begin, of course, by saying that I'm very sad to uh, have been advised and to uh, announce the farewell of a number of my close friends and colleagues, both from the Cabinet, and they've indicated they'll not be recontesting at the election in November. Benita, it was pretty astounding to see the Victorian Premier Dan Andrews stand up to announce four of his MPs were resigning in one day. Martin Foley, Lisa Neville, Martin McCuller and Richard Wynne all very senior ministers in Andrews's cabinet, why are they quitting politics? Well, it's a mixture of reasons. For example, Police Minister Lisa Neville said she was leaving to focus on her health, having suffered Crohn's disease for more than three decades and having to take some time off last year to recover from surgery related to it. Benita Kolovos is Guardian Australia's Victorian state correspondent. The other three have just said that basically after decades in politics and the added stress from handling the pandemic, that it was time to call it quits. So that's 71 years of political experience between them, gone from state government in one day. Did this announcement surprise you? Yes and no. Um, the government has been in power for eight years and all the recent polls are showing it's on track to win the November election and secure another four years in government. So with that in mind, it's not really surprising that you hear that some ministers are considering their future. Um, I think personally, Molino and Foley were surprises. Um, Molino, given his profile, the work he was doing, particularly in the mental health space, he was leading the government's response to a recent Royal Commission. And he's just a really enthusiastic, energetic guy. Foley, uh, I think because he was in this health portfolio, the challenges in this space and the more than $12 billion um, in investment that they've made, I also thought it was a surprising time for him to go. Thanks, Santo, for asking, but I I will um, acknowledge that there is a caucus process to to go through. So Jacinta Allen has been named as Deputy Premier. Humble of having the opportunity, but the opportunity does need to go through that important caucus process. How significant is that, Benita? So under Victorian Labor conventions, usually the Premier and Deputy Premier will be from different factions. Premier Daniel Andrews is from the socialist left and James Molino is from the right. But this time round, they've defied this tradition and Jacinta Allen, who was also from the left, is going to be the Premier's deputy. For those of us that are very into Victorian factional Labor politics, um, (laughs) it is very significant, though Andrews was pretty quick to point out that it has happened in the past under both um, Premier John Brumby and Steve Brax's governments. Okay, so tell me a bit more about Jacinta Allen. 
Jacinta Allen entered Parliament in 1999 and she became a minister at 29. So at the time, that was the youngest in the history of the state. She remains Australia's longest serving female minister and she'll be the second woman to serve in this deputy role. She became quite well known in 2018 for banning Sky News from being placed in the City Loop train stations. This was after the broadcaster aired an interview with far-right extremist Blair Cottrell. She's currently the Transport Infrastructure Minister and um, the Minister in Charge of the Suburban Rail Loop. So these are some of like, the state's biggest projects that she's overseeing. There has been talk for some time of Alan being Andrews' successor. So if Labor does win in November and Daniel Andrews does decide to step down at some point in the next term of government, there's a good chance that Alan will be the next Premier of Victoria. Has Andrews hinted that he might step down? How much do we know about that? No. On the contrary, he says the whole reason he came back after that serious back injury last year was because he had so much work to do. Um, he says he's not going anywhere, but like with these resignations, you hear these rumours and sometimes they end up being true. My ambition, as I said, my ambition is to see the re-election of uh, an Andrews Labor government because we've got we've got tons to do, so much to do. You just said. What can you tell us about the other new ministers who have been sworn in? There are five new ministers who have been sworn in and they're a mix from both the left and the right aligned Labor factions. Your Excellency, I present the Honourable Lizzie Blanthorne, MP, to be Minister for Planning. Colin Brooks, MP. Steve Demopoulos, MP. Harriet Shing, MP, due to COVID. Sonia Kilkenny, MP, was unable to be here today. Two of them, Steve Demopoulos and Harriet Shing, are making history as the first openly gay MPs in Cabinet. The Premier has used this reshuffling of Cabinet to emphasise gender equality in his Cabinet, with 50% of the leadership team female. I, Elizabeth Ann Blanthorne, swear by Almighty God... I will at all times and in all things discharge the duties of my office according to law... And to the best of my knowledge and ability... Without fear, fear favour or fiction. And in terms of those bigger portfolios, they're not going to these new ministers, they're going to existing ministers. Marianne Thomas, who currently holds the agriculture portfolio, she'll become health minister, while corrections minister Natalie Hutchins is taking on education. The opposition have been very quick to point out that Thomas will be the state's fourth health minister in four years, claiming the instability has contributed to Victoria's ongoing health crisis. That concludes the official proceedings. May I ask, please, that all members of the Ministry and the Cabinet Secretary accompany the Governor and the Premier into the ballroom for official photos. On that, what has the opposition said about this reshuffle and the resignations? Well, they're calling it a revolt. Opposition frontbencher James Newbury has described it as rats jumping from a sinking ship. Obviously, they've been quick to point out that Thomas will be the state's fourth health minister in four years, claiming that that's contributed to the health crisis. It's complete opposite to how Daniel Andrews has characterised it as a time of renewal for the government. I mean, he can spin it that way, Benita, but surely losing four senior ministers before an election, including your deputy, is a bit of a blow ahead of a state election. What does this mean for his government come election time? Well, the polls keep showing that Andrews' government is wildly popular. Um, they're on track to win come November. But there are still five months to go, which is, I guess, a pro and a con for him. It gives him and his new MPs time to impress voters, but there could be some issues and challenges between now and November. What do you think will be the key issues um, in the run-up to the election? 
I think the government's biggest priority will be fixing the COVID-battered health system, which they've already announced they're going to be spending $12 billion on. The state has had several code reds where ambulances aren't available this year. Um, the triple zero call taking service has been subject to two inquiries following some deaths while people waited to be connected. Ambulance ramping is a common occurrence at hospitals at the moment due to unprecedented demand for beds and I've reported that morale is low amongst healthcare workers. The opposition, on the other hand, have been using question time to raise the cases of people who have waited a long time for an ambulance or for surgery, and they're going to continue to maintain this pressure in the lead up to the election. And then there's also, for parliament nerds like myself, some changes to the upper house, which means it's a lot harder for them to get policies or laws through the parliament, which means that the Andrews government has to be really careful with what they try and do between now and then. What's changed in the upper house? So with Adam Somurek and Kishalia Vigela now on the crossbench, the government needs um, two extra votes to pass legislation in the upper house. So it does make it a little bit trickier than it used to be. So logistically, it's gotten a lot harder for them to pass legislation, but politically, they're probably doing what Labor did at a federal level and trying to play it safe in an election year, try to keep voters on side. Policy announcements such as a trial for paid sick leave for casuals and the joint kinder announcement with New South Wales have quite, you know, they've been largely positive for the government. But then there's outstanding questions about bigger issues and challenges in the state between now and November. Can you give us a very brief rundown of what those major issues might be? One of the big issues is bail and justice reform. Basically, some laws that were strengthened after the 2017 Burke Street massacre have led to a rise in the number of low-level offenders in prison on remand who would otherwise not be there. Aboriginal Victorians, young people and women are disproportionately affected by these laws and I don't think that that's going to change between now and the election. Then there's issues in the out-of-home care system, There's obviously the mental health reform that's continuing after the Royal Commission released its final report and the plans to decriminalise public drunkenness have been put on hold. Next, can the Liberal opposition shake the popular Andrews government? So this all comes at a really interesting time in politics for Victoria. We have a Labor state and federal government after about a decade of coalition government at the federal level. What do you think this means for Victoria's relationship with the federal government and do you think that will change the dynamics in Victoria at all? Absolutely. Obviously during the pandemic we saw Daniel Andrews was more than willing to throw some barbs across the Murray to um, Scott Morrison and very much painted it as a, you know, federal government versus state government thing. And obviously that worked when you had parties from different sides of politics. I don't know if you can do that as much with a Labor federal government. Albanese and Andrews go a long way back. They've been friends for 25 years. I think at one point they were housemates. Um, they're from the same sub-faction of Labor's socialist left. And 
To be fair to Anthony Albanese, he seems like he does want to work with the Victorian government. He has pledged $2.2 billion for the big suburban rail loop project, which Morrison was not interested in. And I guess to the Premier, he says that it doesn't matter who's in power, he's going to continue to fight for Victoria's fair share of funding because currently um, it's not getting it. Benita, you mentioned the joint kinder announcement that Andrew's made with Dominic Perrottet in New South Wales. I think that's really interesting. Has the relationship between these two states, one Labor in Victoria and the coalition in New South Wales, shifted much? Yes, and I, um, I'm sure I got a lot of people cringing when I described it as a vibe shift, but that is definitely <laughs> what it is. Um, we've got a Liberal-led New South Wales and a Labor-led Victoria working together on key policies, which is really rare. And from the people I've spoken to um, that are close to the Premier, they say that started around um, the time that the Victorian-New South Wales border, um, the restrictions were lifted back last year. And, you know, we kind of followed a really same path to getting life, you know, as COVID normal as possible. So there has been, in terms of the COVID response, a lot of similarities. And I guess they must enjoy working together because now they're doing it on other issues as well. So they were pushing for more federal funding for state hospitals. They want GPs, which are managed by the Commonwealth, and hospitals, which are managed by the states, to work much more closely together. And um, Anthony Albanese at the first National Cabinet meeting seemed quite keen to work with them on that. Then obviously we've got this big childcare announcement where we're going to have the same year of preschool. I don't want to call it, I know you guys call it not kinder, yeah. we call it kinder and it gets very confusing. <laughs> but, the year um, before you start formal the school. The year before <laughs> there's going to be a full year of education in both states. The Premier says there's an appetite, if there is an appetite for cooperation among state and territory leaders, he's going to take it on board. So, you know, after so much division during the pandemic, I, I must admit it's nice to see. Yeah, that does sound positive. Do you think there are any dark horses or like challenges that lie ahead for the Andrews government? So we have kind of talked about the policy. I think the big dark horse that we haven't discussed yet is... Now, this political scandal enveloping Labor in Victoria has just gotten a whole lot murkier with news that the anti-corruption body interviewed Premier Daniel Andrews. The Premier has been questioned um, in three separate inquiries by the state's corruption watchdog, IBAC. This time over his association with a property developer under investigation for allegedly corrupt land Premier. deals. Daniel Andrews is refusing to comment on revelations. He's been grilled in secret by Victoria's anti-corruption watchdog. It's very secretive um, around the rules with how IBAC do their thing. Mm. But these inquiries are a um, an alleged cash for access scheme, which involves Involved property developers, local councils and MPs. Then there's another inquiry into branch stacking within the right of the Victorian Labor Party and the misuse of public funds that could be involved. And a final inquiry into the government's dealings with the firefighters union during a long running dispute on firefighting reform. So as I kind of mentioned, there are some really strict laws governing IVAC and the Premier says he's been hamstrung from commenting on investigations because some witnesses can't even say that they have been spoken to. So it makes it all a little bit, you know, cloudy and we don't really know what's going on. Mm. But we're expecting some of these reports to be tabled ahead of the elections. So that could be very interesting and one to watch.
So that's a lot about Labor, Benita, but what about the opposition? Have they learnt anything from the federal coalition's wipeout at the last election that they might take to this state election? Well, it depends who you ask within the party. The Liberals at the federal election obviously had banked on some backlash against the Premier in some outer suburban seats because, you know, they were the worst affected by COVID lockdowns. But it's been, you know, everyone's saying that the strategy backfired given they lost blue ribbon seats in the inner city. Now there's this big rift between the party. Where to from here? Do we focus on keeping those inner city seats or do we look out to the suburbs and who who do we represent? Now they're saying that they're going to continue to hammer the Premier, make it a lot about his character. They want to stay the course but some MPs are hoping that they can come up with, you know, their own set of bold policies and ideas and visions for Victoria because clearly when we look at the independents, we look at the Greens who did so well at the federal election, they had something that they stood for. So I guess, you know, the Liberal Party have that challenge of what what do we stand for, where do we go from here? Benita, is there any indication of the issues that the opposition in Victoria might focus on in order to kind of dent the Andrews government popularity? Well, as I mentioned earlier, health is a big one for the Liberal opposition and they've been campaigning quite hard on it so far. It is a little curious because usually it's Labor that will go quite hard on health, but they think that there's a lot they can do in this space and a lot to prosecute the government on. I think they've also been watching what happened in the federal election with the success of the Teals. So the Liberals are saying that they're backing integrity, they're offering more funding for things like IBAC and the Victorian Ombudsman. If we look at another issue that the Teals campaigned heavily on, climate change, the Victorian Libs are now saying that they're going to work with the Labor government on its legislative targets to drive down emissions by 50% and they're not going to repeal some more progressive laws that the state government has put in place like the mental health levy. It's a levy on businesses to pay for reform in that sector and a ban on gay conversion practices. So I think the state libs are trying to differentiate themselves from the former Morrison government but I do think there's opportunity for them to find more that they can do, you know, more policy, vision, Um, plans for the future instead of just focusing on the past. So, you know, they've got five months to see how they go. Well, thanks very much for joining us, Benita, and I'm sure we'll be talking to you again around November time. (laughs) I'm sure we will. Thank you so much for having me. was Benita Kolovos, Guardian Australia's Victorian state correspondent. You can read her coverage of Victorian politics at theguardian.com, including her analysis titled Factions, New Blood and Jeff Kennett, Daniel Andrews' Dilemma After Losing Four Ministers. This episode was produced by Laura Briley newton Jane Lee, Karishma Luthria and Ellen Lee Beater. Sound design and mixing was by Joe Coning. Full Stories executive producers are Miles Martignoni, Laura Murphy-Oates and me, Gabrielle Jackson. That's it for today. We'll see you back here tomorrow.